I came into the space yesterday and spent a little time when nobody else was here. It was a Saturday afternoon when the church actually technically isn't open, and I looked out and I imagined what it would be like, and this is really phenomenal. Thank you for being here. That is not at all how I plan to start this sermon. <laughs> what I intend, intended to begin with is to tell you about a story that I heard from a man named Brian McLaren. So Brian McLaren is a former pastor of a giant evangelical church, and since then he's been writing books and doing a lot of really uh, interesting thinking about Christianity today and the nature of the church. and. Most people, I think, who've read his books would agree that he's a closet Episcopalian. <laughs> and I think he's one of these people that he never had a thought he didn't publish. And so it's hard, hard to keep up with all the books that come out from him. And he told a story that I heard him give to a large group of Episcopalians recently. And it was about a hurricane that came. You may remember it, Hurricane Mitch. And Hurricane Mitch did about the worst thing that a hurricane could do, which was that it stopped and stayed in place for a long time where it was able to bring the water and dump it on the country of Honduras. And so much water fell, tens of thousands of people were either killed or missing. And the topography of Honduras was actually altered because of this weather event that took place. And now in Honduras, there was a bridge that had been the gift of the Japanese people. And the bridge, to everybody's delight, withstood the storm. So when the hurricane subsided, people went to see the bridge and everybody marveled at this wonderful bridge that was so well built, so well engineered. But there was just one problem. The river had moved. <laughs> Which begs the question, is it still a bridge if it doesn't actually connect something to something else? And the tourists would come. It became something for people to witness and enjoy. And then, almost tragically, people would have to wave at each other across the river that they no longer could cross. They needed a bridge. They didn't have one anymore because everything else changed. And Brian McLaren's point is that we are living in interesting times right now. We are living in the middle of a big weather event. If you've been paying attention, everything's changing. Outside the church and inside the church, communication, information, culture, so many things are shifting and moving around. It's not the first time that, that, it, that this has happened. And Brian McLaren points out that you can go and see churches, especially in Europe, there are these magnificent buildings that had been houses of worship, but now there are places for tourists to go and to admire and to pay their fee to go in and see and then walk away. But the life of the church is not really taking place so much inside those walls anymore. They were engineered beautifully for another age but are not really serving now that the topography has been altered. Now, believe it or not, this ties in with the gospel reading. Um, incidentally, I didn't choose that gospel reading <laughs> for my first day. Um, this is what we do in the Episcopal Church. We preach the lectionary, whatever it gives us on any day. And 
I, I thought about different ways to approach this about demon possession and um, what I'd like us to do actually is to go a little bit deeper, a little further down into a lower level of what's going on at the, at the base of this story of healing where Jesus casts out the demons from this man. Notice at the beginning of the story where the man is. He's living among the tombs. All the people in the community are living their lives where life takes place, but he's been banished to the place where only death is. And this man is just barely alive. He's been cut off and shut out, and he is living just among the graves, and that's it. And Jesus goes to that man. Well, he comes to Jesus, and Jesus responds, and Jesus offers him a healing. Essentially, what he's doing is he brings that man from death to life. Right there at the center of this story is the core of what our faith is about, a journey from death to life, responding from Jesus' invitation ourselves to overcome death with life wherever we may be able to do so, in our own lives, in the lives of others, in Jesus' name. Now, there's a whole other sermon that I'm not going to preach, but I want to point to it. Do you notice the response of the people? When this man is healed and he's in his right mind and he's clothed, he's restored, are the people rejoicing and celebrating? No, the text tells us in multiple ways we're told the people are afraid and they would much rather have Jesus just go away and stop doing that healing and that bringing people from death to life. And it's interesting how change, even when it is glorious and good, sometimes is met with great resistance because we're more comfortable with the way things have been than with the promise that God has in store. So there are Christians who are doing this good work all over the place. One person I, I know of is a man named Gregory, Bo Gregory Boyle. He is a Roman Catholic priest, a Jesuit, and he's in Los Angeles working with former gang members. And he has an organization you may have heard of called Homeboy Industries. He's bringing people from death to life, just like what Jesus did at the tombs that day. And he was being interviewed recently. Somebody asked him, uh, well, they asked him a question how do you feel about being Roman Catholic? And his response was, well, it's complicated. And then he went on to say, what's wonderful right now is that we have a Pope who is bringing us back to the original program. And I love the way he put it. And I think that's what our presiding bishop's been talking about. If you've heard him speak, our presiding bishop is electrified when he talks about the way of love, which is the way of life and the way of liberation. I love how he says, if it isn't about love, it isn't about Jesus. That's the original program. From death to life. It's the original program, and that's what we are called to do. And I thank God that this church still is a bridge to that. An active, working, vital bridge in the kingdom of God, which happens to be placed at this very fascinating location where we get to be with this astounding history. But what makes this church special is not its history or its location, but that it is actively part 
of the original program. I got to be in here during the week for, for a few days, and I spent some time with Andy, and he very kindly showed me the way things are done. And most churches don't have two aisles, so you have to figure out how you do things that way, and a lot of other traditions. And as we were in this space, I got to watch as tour groups came in, and full-on legitimate tour groups with the tour guide walking with the wand and pointing out the beautiful and the important sites. And then I also saw people come in and they kneeled and prayed and they sat in the pews for quiet time. And I saw how this church is not a museum. This is a church. This is a vital place. A lot of people have asked me, both inside and outside the church, of how this began for me. How did I uh, get involved with the process to possibly become the rector of St. John's. And, and I'll tell you, what, what first happened is I, I saw it listed as a possibility, and I, I clicked and I saw a beautiful little paragraph that described this church. When I read that paragraph, I thought, this church is doing real work. This church is doing the real ministry all churches are called to do. That's, that's good. I'm interested in that. And then I went to the website, beautiful website, and I saw all of the ministries, the work that's being done near and far, and I leaned in even further, and I felt that this could be a place that would be very exciting to do ministry with. And then, only then did I click on the history section. Only then did I realize, oh, this is that church. <laughs> <laughs> but it was too late at that point. I was very interested. And I have found, you know, we've been here only a little over a week. I've only been in the office since Tuesday, officially. This is as advertised. This place is a special church, a church that is alive, that is bringing life and doing great ministry. And so I am excited to see where the Holy Spirit will guide us. The Spirit has guided the people of this church for more than 200 years. And if we are faithful and attentive and listening we will continue to be guided, even as the topography around us will change, and will probably change at an even greater pace than we've known before. We will be guided by the Holy Spirit so that we can be faithful to the original program, bringing love, bringing liberation, and bringing life. In Jesus' name, amen.